Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Loudwire Podcast. My name's Graham. And I'm Joe. And we're wacky... Really? Let's stop. Let's just drop that. All right. Today, uh, no guests on the podcast today, but since the year is half over, we wanted to do a little retrospective of 2017 so far and give you our personal favorite top five albums of the year if you're looking for some good new stuff to listen to we're your guys we've been paying real close attention it's our damn job so we've been listening to tons of stuff this entire year uh so this is going to be our personal favorites we have not told each other which our favorites are complete surprise yeah so joe uh would you mind if i started it off go for it all right this one is really gonna surprise you to be honest and that's one of the reasons I didn't want to tell you. Hmm. Because why is everything so heavy? Graham, did you did you pick Linkin Park? It's grown on me since the podcast. I've actually kind of started to like it a little bit. I don't believe you. I think you're going to uh, come clean. You shouldn't clean. believe me. <laughs> I think you're going to come clean and pick something else here. Okay, you're correct. Why I would Ooh. never listen. I would never listen to that album so okay my real my real number five choice uh zeal and ardor devil is fine actually just had him on the podcast yep that was our that was our last podcast we had zeal and ardor on um manuel gagno technically this album was released in 2016 but uh it was independent just kind of put on the internet and then finally zeal got signed and then it was released properly in 2017 so i just i love this record just because of how unique it is yeah i remember when one of their first songs came out and it just blew your mind and you're like this could be the next big thing in metal the yeah big, next big genre mashup the one that actually blew my mind was children's summon with that weird like kind of xylophony fast xylophone intro but then i listened to the title track and watch the video for it and i just dug the bluesy grooves to it and also you know we talked about the the concept behind zeal and ardor on the podcast about the slaves being preached christianity by their captors and them rebelling by embracing satanism and what would their chants sound like if they were satanic chants i think that's the most interesting concept that's been done since ghost and then even before that like since king diamond pretty much i absolutely (laughs) love the concept it's cinematic theatrical it's the kind of evil that really hits deep and it's unique and i just love it so much i think what's really funny is that people always point to black metal as being such a narrow genre but it seems like year after year after year there's always black metal albums at the top of our list, and it seems like there's really just the most room for innovation and to do new things within those parameters and yeah. that style. There's like, a ton of experimentation that's done in black metal, which is one of the reasons that I actually like black metal. Like a lot of the just the straight up black metal I don't listen to, but when you get I'll take like, Dark Throne Worship all day. I know you will. For me, like the knock mystiums and the shinings and like when you get weird with it. Aranzi Pazuzu. Aranzi, Psy. Like, when you get weird with black metal, that's when you've got me as a fan. So, Zeal and Ardor, Devil is Fine. I even love the the weird sacrilegium uh, interludes between the songs, even though they don't make 
any sense, really. It's just kind of a weird nightmare of a record. So I really dig that. That's my number five. My number five is it's a tough one. Immolation's Atonement. Sweet. And it's their best album since Close to a World Below, hands down. Like, no contest. They put out some pretty good ones ever since, but this one just hits in every area that I'm looking for for Immolation. They don't do anything new. It's the same pony doing the same trick. But damn it, I love that trick and I love that pony. So, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ponies yeah. and death metal. This is this conversation's getting off to a fantastic start yeah. here. I'm sure. But, yeah, I know you're a big meat and potatoes metal kind of guy. Uh, I think Immolation are a little bit more than meat and potatoes, though. If you look at right. Bob Vinya's picking style, he does a lot of this weird discordant up picking, and it it kind of sounds like you just dropped the needle on the record and played it backwards. Yeah. For a lot of the way that a lot of the riffs move. And it was funny when they opened for uh, Max and Igor Cavalera for that Return to Roots tour. They were on that bill. And it was funny watching kids try to figure out how to mosh to immolation. Hmm. Because they're used to, you know, the little bit more of the low slung, simple grooves of like Sepultura's roots. And then you just get this weird, awkward, clumsy type riffing. And yeah, there's really nobody in the pit. They just, those kids couldn't figure it out. And All right. That does it for me. All right. Uh, number four, my number four, uh, King Woman, created in the image of suffering. You love I, your ethereal stuff, man. I love my ethereal stuff. I love doom. I love stoner doom. All the trancey elements. Yeah, anything that just takes you to a different place mentally, I love. Zelenarder Arter kind of does that in, in more of a theatric way. This one does it in more of a transcendental way. Which I, I absolutely love. So, when it comes to Doom, this is my favorite Doom record of the year, although I love that Paul Bearer album. The have, you riff, seen, have you seen King Woman? Yeah, I saw them at Vitus. They, <sighs> it was absolutely phenomenal. It was, I, I went back and I actually watched the footage of that show online, and I was like, hmm, no. Doesn't translate then, on video? No, because when you were there, it was such a, it felt like such a spiritual thing. The, um... The vocalist, uh, Chris Isfandiari, I think, I hope I pronounced that re- uh, correctly. She's got like this crazy aura to her. She's like got this powerful spiritual aura. She like walks into a room and you're like, <gasps> it's like a very, it's like this hmm. warmth to it. And then she's always kind of like checking in on her bandmates to make sure like if, if they need anything when it comes to like the sound and the monitors and stuff. And she's like very motherly towards them. And she's got like this real feminine energy that she projects. And she also kind of uh, spends a lot of time walking through the crowd in her trance. She kind of gets into a trance when she plays. So you can sort of feed off that energy from her. And she's just totally out of it, like in another spiritual realm. So seeing King Woman live it's so much different than just watching mm. footage because you can watch the footage and be like, this is weird. I don't really get this. Her voice, you know, she does kind of get a little derpy at times with her voice, <laughs> but man. So what do you mean like walking through the crowd? Is it at a very slow kind of Yes. Yeah, just walking through pace? the crowd as if they were leaves through a forest. Just walking through them, just walking like not really like shoving them, but just walking through them and like brushing up against them as they gently move out of the way to let her just carve her own path in the crowd. She's 
seriously a force. And the way that they layered her vocals in this one, it's a lot different from the Doubt EP, which is amazing also. Uh, it makes it way more unnerving and way more creepy. And whereas Doubt had a lot of really beautiful moments, uh, creating the image of suffering, it makes me feel like nothing will ever be okay ever again. And it's a weird thing to enjoy that feeling and to like to bring you into such a dark spot. If you think about the title, Creating the Image of Suffering, it's just about growing up in the religious world, in a strict world that doesn't understand you, that tries to confine you, and sort of the suffering that comes from it. But the, the real deep spiritual suffering of uh, a lack of... I guess, religious fulfillment. So I, I think Chris is very spiritual in, in practice, but I don't know if she subscribes to any religion at all. But as far she, as personal I, I, philosophies go. Yeah, yeah, but I think she's into like gemstones and earthy type stuff like that. Chakra, yeah, energy crystals. stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's just such a weird spiritual ride, and it just grabs you by the heart and the soul. And it's just really powerful, and the riffing is good too. So it's 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 doom done, damn right. Yeah, I need to see them because I listened to that album and I thought it was cool. I liked what they were doing, but it never just really just grabbed me the way that I wanted it to. So I tend to uh, really gravitate toward female vocalists too. I don't. No, I'm I not love sure the ethereal why. female vocal stuff. Yeah. I usually preferred outside of metal. I'll go with some kind of like dark acoustic folk or yeah. some like light mellow electronic stuff or this Icelandic singer Ivor. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a powerful female. You know, a powerful woman and that's what that's what Chris is and she she really puts her aura onto this record. So that's my number 4. Well, speaking of powerful female singers, let's give a quick nod to Melanie Parsons from Royal Thunder. Totally. Is she on your list? No. This oh, is a, man. Dude, it's a top five, and I know it's hard, they're yeah. a, probably like a six or a seven. But yeah, Royal Thunder's Wick album is Killer. fantastic. Yeah, talk about a, a powerful presence yeah. on if that. If you want to go through a real harrowing, emotional ride, just put Wick. yourself through that album. Yes. So my number four album is... Replicires do not deviate. Okay, some and more death metal for you. Yeah, I. It's funny. Like, I love death metal. I've got a lot of problems with a lot of the newer death metal bands, which I'll kind of get to explaining a little bit about Replicire here. But first, my history with Replicire goes back a few years to when they put out their debut album. They did this little mini tour before they got signed to Season of Mist with some of my buddies, like a one or two week tour, mm. and they bring their own custom light boxes that they made so nice it's just these maybe like three four foot tall uh wooden boxes that they line with these giant bulbs like a stoplight going all the way up same color and they've got foil on the inside they play to a metronome and they've got this light so show synced. yeah so they've okay. got this light show synced up to everything kind of like how tight Meshuggah's uh oh yeah live show is so kind of think like that a little bit and then these blue lights and stuff on the floor, and it fits the music so perfectly. And what I like about this album is that it does a really good job of riding a groove, but sometimes riffs are lost in the groove where you're just kind of playing for the feeling of the tempo, not so much okay. worrying about these meaty riffs. And a little bit of modern style, there's a couple little genty parts in there, mm. but this thing just doesn't stop 
like it it opens up with some hammers to open to start off the album and then it just keeps going usually that'll an album will drop off in intensity or get weak around the middle have a little bit of a disappointing ending and this thing is just full power the whole way through yeah that dude's guttural sound like Ackerfeld too he's got some really powerful evil sounding gutturals yeah yeah he's and then excellent some existentialism and the lyrics and you can't go wrong with yeah. that stuff in death metal. Nice. So definitely one of the newer death metal bands to keep your eye on. Exciting. De- catch them live. One of the tightest bands you'll ever see. Yeah, I mean, they're playing to a metronome, so kind of hard no, to not be tight. Be. But either way, it looks sick with that light show. Insane. All right. Uh, let's get into my top three. Number three, Power Trip. Nightmare Logic. 2007 is Power Trip's year. I'd argue 2017 is Power Trip's year. What did I say? 2007. Oh. They've been around for like They've been around for a while, though. Let's see. When did Manifest (laughs) Decimation... Was it Manifest Decimation? Yeah, Manifest Decimation 2013. Formed in 2008. Damn it. Okay. Anyway, 2017 is Power Trip's year. And the year's only half over. But try all you want. There's not going to be a band that just breaks out and no, not even slams close. everybody to the wall and demands that you listen to their damn record. They're like blowing Power Trip. every headliner off the stage that they're on tour with. Yeah, we saw them with Napalm. Slaying them. Power Trip blew Napalm Death off the stage, which is kind of impossible to do because they're an they're incredible a powerful, live powerful band. band. Barney's a freak. I love them. They're one of my favorite live bands, but it was Black Dahlia Murder, Napalm Death, pig destroyer and power trip and and you were there would you say power trip had the best power reaction trip had the best set that night yeah and that was the first time i ever actually heard them i had no idea who they were and then they played that new stuff and the crowd went insane they went off a girl stage dived and broke her wrist on yeah. the ground like she commented then, on one of our youtube videos once yeah hi if you're listening Hope your wrist is healed. Yeah. <laughs> Since back in November. But then they played our showcase in uh, Austin, too, and they killed that room. This band is going to be one of the greatest pit bands in thrash or just metal history when it's all said and done. Yeah, like one you of look the up, best pit bands ever. You look up footage of thrash bands in the 80s, like right as the style emerged, and you see people stage diving for a half hour straight, crowd right. surfing nonstop. You look at that that old Exodus footage or that old Slayer footage when it's just them in a little club. That's and, the energy that Power Trip has. Yeah, I don't see any band getting a reaction like this live anymore. A lot of people True. are content to just stand there and clap after the song is yeah. over, maybe give a little woo. And I don't, I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of kind of just deflated rooms lately. Yeah, Power Trip is reaching Converge levels. They're reaching Dillinger Escape Plan levels of fans just going ape shit. Yeah, you put In them the, on a stage, everybody oh, will mosh. They kill. And, and this is not a... Uh, uh, a diss of them, but it's total knuckle dragger thrash, complete knuckle dragger thrash. I mean, oh, that's it's the, just that's the, the best executioner's tax, swing of the axe, the firing squad. It's just the and you know what? This is the first great album that we get out of this political maelstrom that's going on right now. All of this is a direct reaction to everything that's going on around the world regarding power, greed, money, and politics. 
but done in a way that's a total like mouth breather kind of metal. Yeah, like it rules. We don't know. There's not, no room for complaining here. It's not like the intellectual napalm death sort of political nope. way to to make territorial a pissing contest. Yeah, yeah. Great and line. then, but then there's like songs Sickens like "Waiting Around nerves. to Die," that's just about you know you're wasting your life. Like that's kind of a. a philosophical and that's as philosophical as it gets is you're wasting your life and it pisses me off yeah that's as deep as it gets but if you have holes in your sweatpants this album is for you (laughs) yeah i mean this it's just such a fun album and it made me excited about thrash again thrash i mean a lot of people are really excited about say the new havoc record or, you know, the, the last Megadeth record, or the last Anthrax record, or the last Metallica record. The, the snare drum, the entire time, every hit, it's just like, you feel like you're in a concrete 8 by 10 room with a snare drum just ricocheting off the walls. It's just, it's so big. If you ever see that old Pantera footage of when, oh, they, you showed when they pump up Vinnie Paul's snare drum... At certain times, just to, it that's what it sounds like the entire record. It's just a complete... Might uh, have something to do with not using drum samples. Dude, it's Wow, just, what a novel idea. Yeah. Recording a kit as it sounds. It just, it's one of the biggest sounding thrash albums in a long time. It, it is the best thrash album released since Municipal Waste, The Art of Partying, 10 years ago. The best, in mm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. There's also, there's been a couple Vector albums. Don't forget yeah, that, those. Yeah, those Vector, those Vector Black albums Black Future was all right. 2009. All right. All right, we'll put, I think that's a pretty good holy trinity of thrash for, Ve- Vector's for been, the last 10 years. Art Vector's of Partying, Black Future, Nightmare Logic. Yeah, Vector's excellent for Vector's sure. Vector's sweet. But yeah, that's that's my rant on Power Trip. This is this is their year. And, you know, they're, they're not going to let anyone rip that away from mm. them. Well, speaking of knuckle draggers, got to talk about dying fetus. Okay, yeah, some more knuckle dragger stuff, Woo! but in the best way. We're not we're not insulting these people. We love this stuff. Yeah. So wrong one to fuck with. Get ignorant, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's I gotta ask John Gallagher how he manages to play guitar with his knuckles on the floor. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta pose quite a challenge. Yeah. But. I like Dying Fetus a lot. Killing on Adrenaline is one of the best albums ever made. Say what you want about the production. I like the production on Killing on Adrenaline. It's got that ridiculously dumb, boomy bass, and it's a little muffled, but you could hear the groove really well. The drums sound like drums again. I don't know why this has to be brought up, but people just feel the need to replace actual drums with drum samples today. Yeah. So anyway, back to Dying Fetus's current record. Definitely the best one since Destroy the Opposition. Their other stuff has been pretty solid, but I just feel like it's a little bit going through the motions. And this one is a return a little bit to the reckless nature of early death metal. Like, you know, when you talk to some guys like Suffocation mm-hmm. and their song structure is just all over the place in the early days. And you ask them yeah. about that and they're like, yeah, we were just kids. Like, we didn't know anything about writing songs. We just kind of played every riff that we can come up with. That's what I miss about death metal today. It all sounds a little too sterile, and polished, Agreed. and definitely way too safe. And Dying Fetus um, don't play it safe on this one. If you watch that music video for right. Die With Integrity, um, trigger warning, and we're not talking about the drums. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the most insane video since Cattle Decap. For it's the same director. 
forced gender reassignment. Yeah. yeah. Absolute. But you're right. No, no more safe spaces. And another thing that I really like about this Dying Fetus album, like, again, just going back to that song structure, but they just go through so many different tempo changes and riffs and you could never really settle into one part for too long. Yeah. And one complaint that I've had about them in the past is that they're a little too linear. The bass really follows the guitar note for note, sweeps mm, sure. everything. And here it feels a little more rounded out. I mean, Beasley's still doing the same thing, like kind of following John on the guitar, but I don't know, for some reason it just packs a different punch. The production is sick. I wish it had a little bit more low end to it, but it doesn't have mm. that slick polish to it like so much other stuff does it's these days. It's got a nice crunch to it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I hate digital production. Yeah. But everything's digital. Yeah. There's no nowadays. such thing as non-digital production. Anymore. Yeah. Well, I miss, no one's I, miss, tracking I like tape. digital production back when computers were using floppy disks. Okay. We'll go with that. Sure. All right. My number two. I'll be riding the Mastodong on this one. Woo! Emperor of Sand. I was obsessed with this album for the... It's my number six. Is it? Yeah. Okay. The early parts of this year. I got this album sent to my inbox by the label, like, no joke, three months before it came out. So I, I had already, like, played it yeah, out. Who's coming in? Was it Troy or Bill? Uh, Well, Troy and Bill came in. But Troy oh, right. came in for Gone is Gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I played this thing out long before you guys even knew that what it was going to sound like. So I had many, many months just to stew in this record. I'm a huge, huge Mastodon head. I can't talk enough about What's funny about is that you laughed at me when I got a copy of Crack the Sky on vinyl. Yeah. Because Hot Topic well, messed th- up the pricing, and I scooped it up at half the price it should have been. I was well, like, "This will be worth something end, later." You thought it was going to end up being worth like 150 bucks down the line. Oh, it's around that right now. And I, last time I, I checked, it was valued at over 100. I, yeah, at the time I thought that was complete nonsense. But then I uh, wasn't really into Mastodon back then either. I didn't really get them, I suppose. I liked Remission, and that was about it. Mm. Well, that made sense. You're a little more like punk hardcore roots. Yeah. Um, but then, I I think The Hunter is really the album that, that grabbed me with Mastodon. And then I just went nuts. And this whole year, I've been, you know, even more nuts about Mastodon. And, you know, now I have every single album they've made. This is number seven. And it's probably their best album of the 2010s. As much as I love The Hunter, this one I, I would say is better. Because they went back to the conceptual edge which they do better than pretty much any band around today. Like, name me a band that does better conceptual albums than than Mastodon in the 2010s, or even the 2000s. Mm. Between the Buried and Me, they're up there. But yeah, nobody liked Mastodon. No. So Psychedelic warriors they are. Dude, Emperor of Sand, it begins with a curse. Sultan's Curse has just got, like, everything you want in a Mastodon album. I know some people are, you know, calling this sort of a safe album for Mastodon because it sort of encapsulates everything they've done before and doesn't do too much that's new. Uh, I think it just refines a lot of the stuff that they've done on previous albums. Yeah, it's it really does collect everything they've done and then morphs it into a new story, which I think is awesome. So it's got everything that I love about Mastodon on it, 
but the vocals on this it's their best vocal album even maybe maybe not Brent Hines because I love a lot of you know crack the sky Brent Hines yeah he stuff. takes a little bit of a backseat on this one he does it, this this album was totally it was all Bill Kelleher who wrote this record so big riffs big riffs always Troy sounds awesome oh, His, Troy's my favorite singer in that band my favorite singer is Brent Hines and I still love this it, Brent Hines has some really amazing vocal parts oh yeah but Troy's hitting the highest notes like clean and clear but with that gruff caveman voice mm-hmm. that he has compliments Bran really well and then Bron, it's Bron. Bron. pronounce it right sorry Bron. yeah so Bron. pronounce him like he's cereal or something yeah Bron flakes yeah yeah he raisin Bron. <laughs> he sings like an angel that's what his mom did Took you a while. Well done. A little second there. <laughs> he sings like an angel on this, on this record, on on songs like "Roots Remain." Oh, yeah, he sings like an absolute angel. See, I think one of the best things about Mastodon is that they have that multiple vocal attack, and that's what so many of the great bands yeah. in the '60s and '70s had. And then there was a carryover to that with backing vocals in the '80s, and then somehow everyone else in the band just kind of forgot how to sing. Throughout the decades, yeah, yeah, it's it's really true. There's, or, I don't know of any other prominent. What other prominent bands right now? Revocation have, use it. Um, they use it. They definitely singers. use it more. They definitely use it more live you know, than you true. can really tell in the studio. But you can't tell when Revocation do it because they no, all sound exactly. But it brings the same. so much more energy live when you have a Agreed. couple guys stepping up to the mic. And no, it they're really, killer. It gives a lot more dynamics to an album. Totally. I think one thing lacking right now in. The rock and metal space is bands using multiple vocalists. I'd like to hear that more. Absolutely. And Dying Fetus, you know, they got two vocalists. Yeah. And they and sound it works good. well. Yeah. But Mastodon, they have, you know, Bill doesn't ever sing on records, but he sings live and he does those huge, like, I don't know if you'd consider them gutturals, but like these monstrous. Yeah. The hardcore styled stuff. Man, he just sounds great live. I wish he would put something to, to tape. I told him that once. He was like, hmm, yeah, maybe I will. He hasn't. He didn't take my advice, but that's okay. He made some great riffs on this one, so he gets a pass. Yeah, he he just kills it on every every member of Mastodon just shines on this record. Even though Brent Hines didn't have that much to do with it, he did write Jaguar God though. I love that Woo! one. He's I love when he gets bluesy, man. He just he's mm. he's got a weird voice, but. He's just my favorite. And to your point there, too, about every member shining, that's another thing that's kind of lacking a little bit today is everyone's kind of playing with each other. They're not playing around each other where, you know, okay, I'll play this part and then you come in and then, okay, so a guitar plays this and then all of a sudden the bass takes over from there. And at any given moment, you could have one guy kind of upping his chops and putting it at the forefront. Yeah, Mastodon are the Metal Beatles because... Yeah. Everyone has their favorite member and mm-hmm. for different reasons. And you can always hear maybe, who contributes to what. And you can always immediately identify who it is. Maybe even better than the Beatles because I don't think there's They're a Ringo. There's not the a Beatles. Ringo in this band. Dude, Octopus's Garden is awesome. I'm not that much of a Beatles guy. Stop it. Octopus's but. Garden is killer. And then like with a little help from my friends and Ringo's got that swing but anyway we're not here Ringo to talk takes about some the crap Beatles. nobody in Mastodon takes some crap that's my point yeah uh, that okay that's true that's right. definitely true 
Well, What's your number two? Speaking of Mr. Troy Sanders, we didn't plan What's this at all, but this is going really well. Knuckle dragging, knuckle dragging. Oh, Troy Sanders. Troy Sanders. Gone is gone. Echolocation. Mm. Damn, I love this album. It took me a while to kind of have this thing sink in, and I even told them that when we had him on the podcast, and just got to spend some time with this one. Headphones and dark spaces help. Not mental, like literal dark spaces. Turn off the lights. Burn one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I really like about this one is that they set out to kind of score a movie that's not made. And I think that was a really interesting concept. Well, they, they want to score the movie of your life. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different sounds and themes that take place over this. And the pacing of the album is something that initially threw me off and turned me away from the album for a little while is that it'll go from like a fast track to a slow one to a fast. And it just never mm-hmm. really has that nice cohesion. But that's kind of the joy of it, the ups and downs of everything. And of course, I mean, I said Troy Sanders is my favorite Mastodon singer. So yeah. getting to hear him sing standalone across an entire record was awesome for me. Sweet. Um, and then they have that song Slow Awakening and Fast Awakening, which is re- essentially the same song. One's played slow, one's played fast. There. Um, <laughs> but as Troy told us, too, that song is about slow awakening is about advice taken. And then the other one is advice given or maybe flip flop those two. OK. One or the other. Either way, that's what's going on there. Nice. But what did you think about that record, Graham? I kind of, uh, I kind of had your experience, but not completed. Like it sort of mm. fell by the wayside with me, and it never quite picked up again. So mm. you maybe know. time to revisit it. Maybe sometimes you, know, you just need like, to give those albums like a couple months feels, to it, rest. It feels like an album I would like. That's the thing. So it just hasn't done it for me yet. But I love Troy Sanders. Troy Van Leeuwen is really great too. So I like those guys. All right. My number one of the year so far is probably from a band that you guys have never, ever heard of. And that's Frenzel Rom, Australian punk band with their band new record. Dick Sandwich, right? Yes. That was their first one, I think. Dick Sandwich. Uh, it's called High Viz High T, which means high visibility clothes uh, and upper class tea break which is like some weird Australian humor. I'm hmm. not going to bother explaining it because... Oh, enlighten can't. us. No, I can't. As a fellow Australian, I think you there's, should enlighten us. There's nothing funny. Of, if I were to describe it to you... Don't leave you all would the be, listeners You would the say that I don't understand what's funny about this. It's just a weird... Conjecture. I'd rather have the option to say I don't know what's funny Believe than me, to it, say I wonder if it's really funny Do you really not. want me to explain to you like why... People oh, yeah. like Vegemite. Yeah. It w- if I were to explain it to you, you still would not understand because it wouldn't make sense. So it's not. Let's have at I it. can't do it. I just can't do it. Can't I'm do going it. to save you all from this because this is just some weird Aussie humor. But I oh. will, I, I will talk about the song. I'm shelving stacks as I'm stacking shelves. Now, what do you think that's about, Joe? Shelving stacks. Some stacking shelves. I lived in Australia for six years, so all of this Aussie humor like appeals to me. See, I keep thinking you're saying Aussie instead of Aussie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Again, with my my Aussie. Sorry, I mean, lingo. I just cleared that one up for the re- for the listeners, yeah, the readers of the podcast. Well, yeah. This so is this thing going off the rails on a crazy train. 
Jesus. Back to Friends of Rom. Yeah, so this thing is just filled with uh, Aussie jokes that I just love because I grew up there so much. But I'm shelving stacks as I'm stacking shelves. Now, the term shelving, it means sticking ecstasy up your ass. (laughs) So he's shelving stacks of ecstasy while he's stacking shelves at a grocery store. So the Hmm. line is, I'm shelving stacks as I'm stacking shelves trying to neutralize this living hell. So sticking Mm. ecstasy up your ass while Mm. doing your crappy stacking shelves job just to get through the day in like a perfect punk rock. It's a punk rock album, by the way. What's the benefit to uh, to just sticking it up the bum versus because when you stick it on the bum, and a lot of Australians do this, by the way, Hmm. it goes into your. uh, It it doesn't pass through your liver, so it doesn't get uh, diluted. So it goes like right into your bloodstream, you know. So the the ecstasy doesn't have to pass through your liver. So it's a more, uh, I guess, a more pure high. I guess you would compare it to snorting uh, heroin versus shooting it up. But yes, many Australians that I grew up with would stack shelves of ecstasy. You, so, no, don't you mean shelf stacks? No, wait. Yes, shelf stacks. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I get confused because they, they keep on going stacking shelves, shelving stacks. But yeah, this this is a very normal thing in Australia. It's frowned hmm. upon, but it's very normal. Australians love their ecstasy, I'll tell you that. They love their ecstasy. Learn something today, kids. Yeah, but it's it's just anthemic punk, you know, and along with the humor, it's just a, a great sort of sick of life kind of punk rock track which is uh, so many great punk tracks are about being sick of life and wanting something more and it's just a funny play on it Th- these guys are basically the australian no effects but no effects honestly i love them to death no effects wish they could write like frenzel rom in the 2010s mm. because no I like effects, that last no effects record it's good but it's not amazing and like this thing is just completely packed with anthemic punk gems that are completely they just turn up the melody, they turn up the vocal harmonies, like serious bad religion style. If you like bad religion, listen to these guys too. So they have songs about real life tracks where the singer went like camping in the jungle and he got a parasitic worm in his brain. And he had to get it removed from his brain. It was a pig worm. So he wrote a song about having a pig worm in his brain, and it's legitimate. It's like his kickstart my heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is like that. There's one about hating his, how he's not going to his school reunion because he doesn't care about any of you people. But this album is just completely packed full of, of gems, and I've been absolutely addicted to it ever since it came out. And not because I'm shelving stacks. But I thought you all would appreciate that little insight into uh, the Australian drug subculture. There's another song about uh, actually making pills called Storage Unit Pill Press and how his life is going to get so much better once he finally gets his pill press and his storage unit. And he's just going to be in there all day with a shirt over his face making pills for people to shove up their butt. This is what Frenzel Rom's about, and I'm unapologetic in how much I love it. So all you Aussies out there, I know you love them too. They've been around forever. They're absolute 
legends down there. So they keep getting better and better. High Viz, High T. Listen to that record. Joseph? My number one record is Power Trips Nightmare Logic. Nice. We already talked about that one a lot. Okay, well, I'll share this anecdote, I guess. One of my buddies was over. um, We were hanging out, and he hadn't heard Power Trip. So I played it for him. May have had a few drinks. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And incited a complete bedroom mosh, (laughs) circle pitting around my spinny chair. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like college all over again. The life you lead. Yeah. How old are you? I'll be 28 very soon. Jesus. Yeah. Dude, oh, once I'm too old to bedroom mosh, probably won't see my name (laughs) around here anymore. All right. (laughs) But- Let's talk a little bit about that Royal Thunder album, because I know you're a huge fan of that album. I I'm am. a huge fan of that album. We're both huge fans of that band in general. Yeah. And since we're talking a little bit about the King Woman experience live, like seeing Royal Thunder live is... Yeah, Melanie is a... She's she's the reincarnation of Janis Joplin. Yeah. When it comes zero, to pain Zero and exaggeration on that. Yeah, seriously. It's... I, I would have loved to see Janis Joplin live. I think she's a goddess, and... Melanie Parsons has that same soul and that tone and that just absolute devastation when she's singing. You just can't help but shed a tear. It's just so powerful. She's phenomenal. I can't say enough about her. Like when they played that encore, so they played the Mm. song Plans off the new album. God damn. Everybody walked off the stage. It was just Melanie and their guitarist, Will, who just strums on these awful rainy chords. And you feel like you just want to curl up into a ball and die. And then it gets worse because Melanie just belts out the most heart-wrenching vocal take you've ever heard in your life. And she's just, she's laying her emotions bare in front of everybody. And her and Josh Weaver from the band uh, used to be married. They're divorced now. They're in the same band. And there's a lot of stuff about please come back in this song. It's... She said it's not about him, but Come on. we were all looking at each other going, hey, I think that, I know what that one's about. That heartbreak is not simulated. And then after that song, it's just she's ripping through this vocal and then show's over and you're like, Everyone wow. was really moved by it, but really uncomfortable by it's how raw they were stripped yeah, in that room. Just emotionally wrecked. Everybody was completely stripped to their nerves. I feel like I got broken up with and my dog died. Yeah, exactly. She just has that power to move you in that way that I I feel like I was moved by Janis Joplin. So oh, listen to her, man. Just listen to her. And then that uh, the previous album, Crooked Doors, again, phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not sure if that one or Wick is my favorite. I need some more time with Wick. I need to put it away for a couple months and then come back to it, see if I still feel the same exact passion that I felt when I first heard it. Sure. Because sometimes you could wear those albums out or you can get really high on an album at first and then you go to listen to it a year later and you're like, meh, yeah, it's it's good. Crooked Doors still sticks with me to this day. I can still listen to Crooked Doors. Oh, Time Machine? Yeah. God. For sure. Also, if you guys like Agaloc, uh, John Helm assembled this band, Pelorian. There's also this band, Farsat, uh, who put out an album called Failure. Like failure. Yeah, it's fail oh. hyphen. I think there's actually a dot in the middle. And lure. Okay. Um, and there's 
parts of this where I have to go back and like check what I'm listening to because it sounds straight out of Agalox the Mantle. Nice. Yeah. So if that's not enough of an endorsement to go listen to Farsat, uh, I don't I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, and I'll give some special shout outs to uh, Body Count. That new record is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I know you love Body Count. I love that. Uh, this album got me into Body Count. I couldn't. This is the best Body Count album. That's what I keep hearing. That's what I, I got to reinvestigate some of the old stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it just it. it never clicked with me. I don't know why. Maybe because I like my hip hop, my metal separate. Yeah. Well, me too, normally, but they just killed it on this one. It was excellent. And then um, With Our Arms to the Sun. I love that new record. Yeah. So listen to that one, one too. That's our favorites of the year so far. So I'm sure we'll be doing uh, probably a video at the very, very end of the year so you can see if our picks change. There's usually a ton of stuff that comes out in the fall. Mm. So you'll never know how that changes. Power Trip's not sliding out of the top five. I I can guarantee that. Unless Iron Maiden put out six albums. Yeah, I I do not see uh, anyone taking Power Trip off your number one again, unless Iron Maiden just happened to release a new record. Yep. Yeah. All right, everybody. So that's our faves of the year. Let us know what your faves of the year are in the comment section below. And leave a comment if you want Graham to further elaborate on what some of these Frenzel Rom songs mean. It, but there's no joke. That's the thing. There's no joke. It's just dry humor and there's it's no like joke. It's like the day the laughter died? If I was, no, if I was to try to explain to you why it was funny, that would be the struggle. Like, why is it funny? You'd have to live in Australia for years mm. and years and years. So I'm not even going to do it. Is it not more difficult it. than trying to explain why Dice's hour back joke is funny? It would be like explaining that to someone who hasn't heard that album. Yeah. Try All right. that. Okay? All right. But get it. Hour <laughs> back. Yeah. yeah. It would be get like it. it would be like explaining that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a nice comment. Five stars on iTunes if you'd be so kind. Go to Loudwire for all your daily rock and metal news. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at GrahamWire. Follow me on Instagram at Ice Nerve Shatter. All right. So, again, let us know what your favorite albums of the year are so far. We'll check in with you later. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you in an hour. Back. Get it? Later, good. Good.